The nation is mourning the deaths of several women and girls who were murdered by men. Holding the steak knife that he had been using, he jumped to his feet and rushed at me. That night when I put in my statement, one of the officers at the police station says, oh, you know what, we don't have the time for this. We know the names of Uyinene Mkhechana, Leandre Jechels, Janika Mallo, Ayaka Gianni, and her three little siblings. But we also grieve for the many others who have died at the hands of men. There was physical abuse, verbal abuse, and emotional abuse. Violence against women has become more than a national crisis. It is a crime against our common humanity. South Africa has among the world's highest femicide rates. However, according to the World Prison Brief and the Institute for Criminal Policy Research, in 2017, the highest female prison population rates were in the USA, Thailand, El Salvador, Turkmenistan, and Seychelles. This means the proportion of South African women who kill in self-defense is far exceeded by the rate of women who die at the hands of men. This is mirrored by the country's female prison population. Additionally, the United Nations' Office on Drugs and Crime notes that a major contributing factor to the imprisonment rates of women anywhere in the world is gendered oppression and poor economic conditions. For South African women, these circumstances have real-life implications on their personal lives and their access to justice. This is Him or Me a podcast series on the experiences of women who have faced abuse and their experiences with the South African criminal justice system. I am your host, Lele Tutonisi. In January 2001, Anita Natasha Ferreira and two accomplices were sentenced to life imprisonment for the killing of Anita's partner. Anita, who was 39 at the time, ordered two younger men, aged 20 and 22, to kill her abusive partner. Prior to strangling Anita's abuser to death, she had agreed to pay the men 10,000 rands, but only paid them 5,700 rands after the fact. She said it was all the money she had. This happened on 4 February 1999. In 2001, all three accused were sentenced to life imprisonment, but Anita's sentence was subsequently set aside and a sentence of six years imprisonment replaced the life sentence she had previously been handed. The Supreme Court of Appeals made this decision in light of the years of abuse that Anita endured at the hands of her partner. Senior multimedia journalist at the Vets Justice Project, Sumeya Gasa, compiled the following report. The case of the state versus Anita Ferreira is one of the most well-known cases in the South African criminal justice system, and for many reasons, such as the complexities of intimate partner violence, battered woman syndrome, and contract killing. Anita and Natasha Ferreira met Mr. Parkman while she was working for another employer as a housekeeper. Mr. Parkman offered to pay her more if she came to work for him. And she accepted this offer. 
The two subsequently became romantically involved, but Mr. Parkman insisted on referring to her as his child and for her to refer to him as Mr. Parkman. He was 20 years her senior. The relationship deteriorated and Mr. Parkman began to abuse Anita regularly. He isolated her from her children, banned her from seeing them and beat her when he found out she had made contact with them. He constantly abused her sexually. This went on for seven years before he was killed while drunk in his sleep. After the killing of Mr. Parker, Anita and the two contracted accomplices were apprehended and subsequently found guilty and sentenced to life imprisonment. But Anita's legal representatives filed an appeal on her behalf. The concept of imminence was central to both sides of the case. The difference between imminence and self-defense or private defense is self-defense is the act of responding to an attack as it occurs. The legal conditions are that the person who is being attacked may only respond with equal or lesser force and seize their response as soon as the assailant is incapacitated. However, where self-defense results in the death of the assailant, things can get a little tricky. In the case of the woman we named Carrie Charles in episode 4 of this podcast, the abuser lunged at his wife while holding a steak knife. She, in return, fired one shot from her pistol, which killed him. Fortunately, Carly had strong legal representation. Her conviction for murder was overturned and she was given a suspended sentence to three years imprisonment for culpable homicide. Imminence in this context refers to killing that is planned, a preemptive self-defense of sorts. This is often the most viable option for women who are in prolonged abusive relationships. As we noted in episode 1 of this podcast series, leaving is not always a safe option. And so, for women who are faced with this reality that leaving and staying are very likely to have the same outcome, the choice between him or me becomes one that is considered over time. Those, like Anita Ferreira, resort to a planned killing as their only way out of a potentially deadly relationship. According to legal records, Anita did try to leave the relationship many times. She, like Samantha Wade, was never allowed to look forward after leaving. Mr. Parker would always track her down and use various means to convince her to return to him. She also went to the police several times. And on one occasion where they did show up, they simply instructed her to attempt to sober up her drunken abuser. These factors all proved central to the outcome of her appeal. The judgment of the appeal reads as follows. It was argued that the state and society had failed the first appellant and that this was a factor to be taken into account in determining her moral blameworthiness. The duty referred to, of course, exists, but the submission made can have scant weight in this case. The police were called three times and came once. The full extent of their knowledge of their appellant's plight was not proved. Moreover, she did not seek legal advice, much less try to interdict the deceased. Nevertheless, on the facts... And by reason of all the considerations discussed above, I conclude that there are substantial and compelling circumstances which would make the prescribed sentence unjust in the case of the first appellant. 
The sentence of life imprisonment imposed upon her must therefore be set aside and another sentence substituted in its place. Anita's sentence was set aside. Instead of life imprisonment, she was sentenced to six years imprisonment. While the court considered the circumstances of the young men who had no prior convictions and their economic circumstances, these factors did not prove mitigating. Their sentences remained the same. Violent experiences are the main pathway leading to the imprisonment of women across profiles. This means whether women are incarcerated for theft, fraud, assault or homicide, prior experiences of abuse and violence are the common denominator. Some examples of acts that are considered aggressive crimes include murder, attempted murder, culpable homicide, serious assault, common assault, and damage to property. According to the 2019-2020 Correctional Services Annual Report, there are 3,991 imprisoned women across the country. Of this figure, 2,534 are sentenced. The remaining 1,448 are unsentenced. The report also notes that in 2019-2020, a total of 2,695 women were murdered in South Africa, 76 less than the previous year. This means a woman is murdered every three hours. This is Him or Me, a podcast series on the experiences of women who have faced abuse and their experiences with the South African criminal justice system. I'm your host, Lele Tutonisi. The Vits Justice Project investigates human rights abuses and miscarriages of justice related to the criminal justice system. You can get in touch with us by visiting our website at www.vitsjusticeproject.co.za or Vits Justice Project on Facebook and on Twitter.